If there was ever a person of the Blessed Trinity who gets shortchanged, it's normally the Holy Spirit. Because on almost every level, the Holy Spirit gets neglected. Think about it. On Pentecost, we don't have lights or decorations. We don't have parties like Christmas and Easter. There isn't even a Macy's Pentecost sale. And they have, Pentecost, they have sales on every, everything. There's, in sacred art, can you think of a painting of the Holy Spirit? In catechesis, many people call him the great unknown. And, and this, but he's, his life is pivotal to understand the church, everything. You know, in St. Peter's, there's only one stained glass window. And do you know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit. Busting through the back wall of St. Peter's, going through the, the underneath the baldacchino, where the, that's the big thing over the altar. Because this is the age of the sanctifier. This is the age of the Holy Spirit and his power bust within the church to bring life, to bring vitality. Because it is the power of the Holy Spirit given to the church and to us. Think about it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary. By the power of the Holy Spirit, at baptism, we become sons and daughters of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, confession is possible. Everything runs through the Holy Spirit. This is the age of the paraclete. It's a Greek word for consoler. He's our advocate, pleading humanity's cause to God. But do we really know the Holy Spirit? That's the problem. He's the great unknown. And perhaps it's because it's hard to visualize you know, when you think of the Holy Spirit, what do you think of? You think of a dove or a fire or wind. Sometimes hard to kind of imagine a relationship with, with that symbolism. But he is the third person of the Holy Trinity who dwells in your soul from the moment of baptism. We receive the fullness of his outpouring in confirmation. But other than that, do we really know him? I mean, do you remember the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? If you don't teach catechism, probably not. Do you remember the, the, the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever invoked any one of them in a difficulty in your life? You know, we, get, we have so much power within us from the Holy Spirit, and we don't capitalize on it. Now, sure, the charismatics, they place a very important, uh, strong importance on him, but outside of that, many times we kind of forget about the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is a culmination of God's initiative of love to definitively reach out to us and unite us. Pentecost is everything. And so to understand his importance, what I want to do in this homily is first help you to understand the history of Pentecost in the Old Testament and how it was a foreshadowing of what is happening today, right now. And then look how he manifests himself in the New Testament, and then finally how we're called to live in the Spirit, which ultimately culminates in the Paschal candle that after today is taken away from the sanctuary and placed by the baptismal font. And that has a meaning to it. So first, the history of Pentecost. In the Old Testament for the ancient Jews, Pentecost was one of the top three religious holidays. It had two important meanings. First, on Pentecost, 
Pentecost in Greek means uh, 50. And so 50 days after the Passover, you had the first fruits of the spring grain harvest, and you would bring the first of those fruits to be offered to God as a sacrifice at the temple. Over in uh, the um, Middle East, in that area, especially in Palestine, there's two harvest seasons. And so it was kind of like a day of gratitude, almost like Thanksgiving, where we'd bring our, our, our gifts to our Lord and to thank him for all his benefits that he, and graces that he pours into our lives. And so in this sense, it was highly appropriate for God to send the Holy Spirit to his church in a public way on Pentecost. Because the Holy Spirit is the first fruit of the harvest of the new covenant. It is the first fruit that Christ brings through, through his risen life 50 days after. The new covenant is Christ giving us a new redeemed life of grace. And that begins here on earth through the sacraments. But it reaches its fulfillment in heaven. And so it's appropriate that today we should be thankful and thank the Holy Spirit for all the, the graces in our lives. But there was a second meaning for the Jews of Pentecost. It talked about the, the Thanksgiving, but also it commemorated God giving Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Now, as you remember, uh, the Israelites, when they had the, they had the ten plagues, you know, and the last one was the Passover, firstborn were slayed. They went through the Red Sea as the water with a wall to the to left and right. Chariots went in, and they all died. They went to Mount Sinai. God came down on Mount Sinai and gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the law, on tablets of stone written by the very finger of God. And that law was what defined the chosen people. It wasn't a list of rules. It was their identity. It was who they are. It separated them from everybody else. It was their vitality. And that's how they proved that they were following Yahweh, that they were remaining true to the covenant, to the family. And that, again, is so appropriate that God sends the Holy Spirit today. Because for us... The new law is that of Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes to help us to understand that law. Remember, Christ gave us so many teachings, but he gave one last commandment. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And how, what does that mean? It means that. That's what it means. That you give everything. And that's not easy to do that. Nor is it easy to understand everything that Christ taught us. And the Holy Spirit comes to help us live that law, to understand that new covenant. And we can't do it on our own. We need his help. But the Holy Spirit, he helps us understand by unifying us. When you look into the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit is the bond of unity between the Father and the Son. And he's the bond of unity also between us and, and Christ. Because in baptism... He becomes this living bond of love between us and God, bringing us into the mystical body. He unites everybody. That's why St. Paul would say the church is a body with many parts, but it remains one, united. And we all have different functions, and one's not better than the other. It's just we all have a different calling, but we're all united. And it's a church's mission to bring this law, this new truth of Christ, and unite the whole world. 
That's our mission. Because the world around us has been torn apart by sin. That's why when all the visitors in Jerusalem, when they heard Peter speaking, they heard him speaking in their own language. Even though he was speaking one language, everybody heard their own language. Why is that? Because this is the fulfillment of Babel. You remember the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament? Mankind wanted to build this tower to reach up to the heavens and grab divinity and bring it down to earth. This is the opposite. This is God, the Holy Spirit, reaching down to humanity and grabbing humanity and bringing him up to divinity. God wants to bring us into his own life. We don't have to build it and grab it. We just have to accept him. God wants to unify us and help us to live this law, this truth. Now, when you look in the New Testament, what were the ways that the Holy Spirit manifested himself today? There are three main ways. Wind, fire, and tongues of fire. All of that has tremendous theological import. So like wind, wind is always considered the breath of God. That's life. In Genesis, God formed man out of the clay of the earth, picked him up, and breathed into him life. That's the wind of God. And he gives us this new covenant. This, we're made by baptism, by the sacraments. And there's a power to wind. If you remember on Mount Sinai, there is wind and thunder and lightning. The same thing happened today. The building was shaking. They were hearing the, the, the strong wind because there's power to the wind of God. It's a new life. It's a new law, a law of the Spirit. And God, and God comes down to fashion a new heart to us. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah would say that we have stony hearts, and he, he prefigured that God would take our stony hearts away and give us real hearts, hearts that could live the law, live the truth. Because in the Old Testament, they couldn't do it. They kept failing and failing and failing. And the Holy Spirit says, I'll take away your stony heart. I'll give you a real one. I will be there. I will give you the strength. You don't have to worry about doing it on your own. And in baptism, we're given this new heart to live the theological virtues and moral virtues. We have such power within us. All we have to do is activate it. You've got to know the gifts and ask for them. Ask for counsel. Ask for all these different moments in our spiritual life where we need the Holy Spirit. And then that fire, you know, it's a symbol of, of passion, of love, the essence of what God is. But fire is also purifying. And that's also what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He brings passion and he purifies us from sin to let us live that law of Christ by a new heart. And tongues of fire. Why tongues? Because we are called to spread this truth. We're supposed to be zealous missionaries. You know, St. Peter, at this moment in Pentecost, they receive the Holy Spirit, and he gets up with all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he gives his homily. And do you know how many people were converted and baptized after that one homily? 3,000. I'm sorry, that's not good public speaking skills. That's just God. I don't care what type of motivational speaker you are, that's God. 
And that is what the Holy Spirit does if we just try. I mean, Peter was a fisherman. It wasn't like he was, you know, Joel Osteen or something. He, but he, he allowed the Holy Spirit to guide him. And then amazing things happen. And that's what we're called to do, my friends. That's how we're called to live in, this, in the Spirit. But you got to know the gifts. To the confirmation kids, I always make this analogy. You know, like at Christmas time when you get these gifts, and say you get this technological thing, you have those people that read the directions and then know how to use it, and then you have these other people that never read the directions. And then they get it out and they start doodling with it. And what happens if you don't read the directions? What typically happens? Within about a couple days, you're bored of it. And you put it back under the Christmas tree and you never play with it again. Why? Because you don't know how to use it. You don't know the directions. That's what happens when we get the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We, we can't even remember what the gifts are. And that's your homework assignment. If you don't know the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, go back home and Google it. You can do it on your smartphones. Not right now, but later. And honestly, I'm not making this up. I want you to choose one of them, and I want you to get a mature adult understanding of that gift. And it's not just a one-word definition. Go to Catholic Encyclopedia. It's online. It's, it's free. Look up one of those gifts and read the whole article. Understand it from an adult, not just, you know, most of us were confirmed when we were, whatever, in eighth grade, maybe you were a senior in high school, but we still had an immature understanding. We need to understand it deeper. Understand the directions so you can actually use it. That is how we live in the spirit. Because the, 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 the gifts are huge. All right, I'll just tell you them because so, I don't know if you'll, you'll actually do this. I'm going to tell you the gifts, okay? Your homework assignment is to choose one of these and go look it up. Okay, promise? Okay, so first is fear of the Lord. Next is knowledge, piety, counsel, fortitude, wisdom, and understanding. I don't care which one you choose. Choose one. It would be nice if you go through all seven of them. As, maybe as a family. But unlock this power. That's how you live in the spirit. Because ultimately today, everything is culminated in this Easter candle. This Easter candle and what we do with it symbolizes this whole dynamic. For the past seven weeks, we've kept the Easter candle here in the sanctuary. It's consecrated on Easter Vigil Night, as you know. And the living flame of the Easter candle reminds us that Christ is alive, that he rose from the dead. And the tall white candle with a burning flame reminds us of God's faithfulness throughout all of history. Just as uh, the pillar of fire led the chosen people through the promised land, through the desert to the promised land, so our faith has to guide us and lead us to live this new law, to follow the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. But today, we remove this Easter candle away from the sanctuary and we put it back by the baptismal font. And what is that trying to say? That Christ is no longer with us? No, he's obviously here in the, in, the, in the tabernacle. That's why I have the sanctuary light there. What he's trying to say is that today on Pentecost is a day when Christ's risen life is entrusted to us. We're supposed to go out into the world and be living Paschal candles. We're supposed to be the light of Christ. 
People need to see in us who Christ is. And yes, our tongues have to be on fire, giving the truth of Christ, being his love. Christ entrusts the risen life to us, the mystical body. It's our job to be the, the church as we go out there and as we are pillars of light in a world of darkness. We bring so many people hope. And people need hope today. Not based on mankind or scientific advancements to end pandemics. It's based on the love and power of Jesus Christ. And so my friends today, on Pentecost, let's make the great unknown known. Let's understand the power that's within us. Let us give thanks to God for this great gift. But most importantly, let's be committed, convicted to bring this truth to the world and be living Paschal candles in the midst of the darkness.